I'm so excited to get back into God's word with you this morning. And I hope you've been encouraged over the past seven weeks as we looked at how God is our help, our refuge in this season of crisis. We've seen how God can help us fight our anxieties, how he's our comfort and the one that we can rely on as we hear his voice. We've seen what it looks like to stay connected, to get his perspective, and to experience his change in our relationships. And so let's keep coming back to these truths that we've heard over the past seven weeks. But today, I'm excited to jump back into our First Peter series that we're calling Keep Moving. Now, if you were with us at the beginning of the year, do you remember those good old days at Medford High School when we used to meet there together? Yes, we'll get back there one day, but we'll patiently uh, wait uh, for that day to arrive and continue to use caution and wisdom. But during those days, we started this series looking at what Peter has to say to these followers of Jesus who are experiencing difficulties and trial in various forms of suffering. And so as we start back today, because we took this seven-week break, I want to bring us back up to speed by taking another look at chapter one and chapter two as we Think about what it means to keep moving with Jesus as we live our lives for him. And as I was thinking about relaunching this series again, my mind jumped to one of Medford's finest, a man by the name of Dave McGilvery. Dave McGilvery is not only the race director for the Boston Marathon, but he is a man whose professional and philanthropic achievements are about 26.2 miles long. Some of you caught that. Way to go. Dave's perhaps most historic achievement happened in 1978 when he ran from Medford, Oregon, all the way to, yes, Mepha, Massachusetts, the greatest city on the planet, running, listen to this, 3,452 miles in 80 consecutive days. 3,452 miles in 80 consecutive days. That is absolutely insane and absolutely inspiring. Thankfully, Dave kept a a diary every single day. He actually did it. You know, this was back in in, in the days of of letter writing and and no cell phones. And so he took a postcard and he would just write a few details about his day's journey and a couple of uh, notes to then send it back to friends. And so once he finally made it back, all of these uh, postcards were compiled into one story that tells his journey. He speaks of how he ran through the 100-degree heat in the desert of Nevada, how he climbed up and over the Colorado Rockies. He tells of the hip pain that he experienced in his very first week, how on day 16, he had to go to the emergency room for pain in his knee. We find there that he logged 50 miles on day 38 that he crossed the Mississippi on day 51, that on day 61, he ran 57 miles. 
all culminating in him returning to Boston and entering Fenway Park before a crowd of 32,000 strong, a standing ovation to cheer on his accomplishment of running across the country, coast to coast. And what makes it even better is his vision to raise thousands and thousands of dollars for the Jimmy Fund to fight children's cancer. This is Medford's own Dave McGilvery. And you might ask, how did he do it? And, and the, 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 the honest answer is, who knows how he did it? But he would point to his 23-year-old his naivete on the one hand and also his big dreams on the other. But you and I would both talk about the loads of discipline and the Herculean endurance that came from the days and weeks and months of preparation that it took to prepare him for this amazing accomplishment. You see, at the end of the day, day after day after day, Dave McGilvery kept putting one foot in front of the other. He kept moving. And that's the essence of the message of 1 Peter. Peter is writing to this group of believers who are undergoing trial and suffering in different ways. And he even says it explicitly at the end of his letter in chapter 5, verse 12. He says that I'm writing to you this letter of encouragement because he wants them to keep moving in what God has called them to as they follow Jesus Christ. And so he would say to them, and he would say to us today, no matter what the challenge, keep moving in Christ. Did you hear that? No matter what the challenge, keep moving in Christ. I want to give you two simple encouragements today that will help carry you through the complexities of life, even what we're facing in this season, okay? So number one, the first thing, you might wanna write this down. The first encouragement for you is this. Keep moving, look what Christ has done. This is how Peter starts his letter. In, in verses uh, one and two, you have his word of greeting. And then in verses three through 12, you have his words of introduction that essentially set up all of the major themes that you were gonna find through the next five chapters. And so Peter begins and, and he strategically and immediately turns their attention, I love this, not to the difficulty of their current situation, but he turns their eyes to who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. And I know someone needed to hear that today. Someone needed to hear that, yes, we need to not ignore our circumstances, but we don't need to keep our eyes fixed on our difficulties, but we need to keep turning them to God because as we turn them to God, that's how we navigate the difficulties we're facing. And so Peter says, keep looking. If you want to keep moving, you have to keep looking. You have to keep remembering who God is and what he's done. And so Peter, number one, he says, look God has now made you alive through Jesus Christ. This is what he says in verse three. This is how he starts his letter. Letter, He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, 
He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says, you have been raised to a whole new life. What he's saying is, once you did not have spiritual life, you were spiritually dead on the inside. But now God has given you spiritual life. He has caused you to have a whole new life spiritually through his great mercy. And now he describes it as this living hope, a living hope that brings present confidence. So no matter what we're facing in our lives, we know that God has given us the power to live our lives for him and, and do whatever it is that he's called us to do. That we can, we can actually tackle anything in front of us because we have the very life and power of God at work within us. A great way to pray. If you ever want to know, like, how should I pray for other people? Uh, here's a great tip. Just look at the prayers in the Bible and pray those for yourself and pray those for the people around you, the people that you love. I think about Paul's words in Ephesians 1 where he prays that they would know the great working of God's power that is within them. And he says this, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul and Peter agree that God has given us this resurrection life. And so we love to say at Redemption Hill, yeah, Easter was a few weeks ago. But listen, every day is Easter for those who follow Jesus. If you follow Christ, every day is Easter for you because you are living the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. And so this resurrected life gives us a present confidence in our living hope, but it's also a living hope that looks out to the future and smiles because we know that we have the ultimate victory. Let me tell you, I, I don't know about you, but I've seen plenty of people, you know, on social media and having conversations, people just freaking out about this virus. And, and, and yes, it is scary. And, and yes, it does raise fears and questions in our minds, but the amazing reality for those who know Jesus Christ and have this life through him is that we don't have to fear our ultimate and greatest enemy, which is death. Because Jesus conquered the grave by rising from the dead. And now all those who are in him have the same confidence to have victory over death. If you follow Jesus, this confidence is yours today, right now. And so Peter says, look what Christ has done for you. He's caused you to be born again to this living hope. But that's not all. He goes on in verses six and seven, and he says that God through these trials is actually bringing his transformation in your life. Look at what he says in verses six and seven. He says, in this you, joy, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
I love when Pastor John preached his sermon on this text uh, back in January. He, he talked about how that trials both authenticate and purify our faith. Suffering and trials both authenticate and purify our faith. This is what Peter's saying in these, in these two verses. And I want you to think about each one of those truths. Number one, trials authenticate our faith. In other words, when we experience trial and suffering, they hold the potential to stamp our faith as real. That there's nothing counterfeit going on. There's no forgery of the signature of God on our lives because when we undergo difficulty, when we face opposition, when crisis comes our way, and we hold on to our faith, and we keep taking the next step, and we depend on God more than we depend on ourselves. And when we remember God's past faithfulness, and that gives us confidence for how he's going to be faithful today and tomorrow, which means we don't have to be consumed by all the worries that so many people are crippled by in these times. What that's showing is that our faith is real, that there's something genuine. Did, did you know that when, when you have a, a piece of gold, you can take a, a gold necklace and, and just light a, a lighter and, 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 and set that gold on fire. And if your gold is real, it's going to actually shine brighter and brighter. Now, if it's not real, it's gonna go darker and dimmer. But Peter's saying that's, that's what it's like. These trials are like fire and, and the fire shows its genuineness. It authenticates it. But then number two, it also purifies it and refines it. Have you thought about the fact that God wants to use these moments, these moments of trial, whatever the trial is for you right now, relationally, financially, vocationally, lots of trials we're going through with your health, with the health of loved ones, lots of trials. Have you considered that God wants to use these trials as a way to refine and purify your faith in him? I love what Jesus said in John 15 too. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, that he takes it away. God the Father takes it away. But then he says this, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. This is how, this is how good God is. He, he takes the difficult circumstances of our lives and he does his refining work, his purifying work, so that we will become better people. And what I mean by better people is more like Jesus Christ so that we shine forth who he is and we bear more fruit for God and, and make a difference in the lives of the people around us. That's what God wants to do in your life. And so Peter is saying, look what God has done. He's given you a new life. He's working in your difficulty. And then he goes on, he says, this salvation that you have, it's, it's full of joy and wonder. I just wanna read these verses for you and just listen carefully. Let these words fall on your heart today and be in awe of who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. It says this, though you have not seen him, referring to Jesus Christ, 
though you've not seen him with your own eyes, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit in Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This salvation is full of joy. This salvation is full of glory. This salvation is full of awe and wonder. Peter says that angels longed to look into the story of redemption and how God would save the world and reach out and take his hand and pull people like you and me and rescue us out of danger the danger of our sin, the danger of the death that we were headed for. This is what God has done for us in Christ. And so don't miss the fact that what Peter is doing here in verses three through 12 is he is offering a word of praise to God for what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, which teaches us in these moments that we can praise God in and through our pain because he is that good, and he is still worth it. So number one, keep moving by looking at what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. But then number two, keep moving by living your new identity. Keep moving by living your new identity. This is where he goes on in the last half of chapter one and in chapter two. And there are two key notes that we see about our identity. When we think about our identity, uh, you know, we're talking about the essence of who we are. What makes us, us. And there are so many false narratives, false identities that float around in our culture. People start to think, I am what I feel. I am the sum of my experiences. Maybe you're thinking this, I am what other people say about me. Well, let Pastor Tanner say it today. No, you are not. No, you are not. You are who God says you are. That's who you are. God made you beautiful perfect in his sight. Yes, we're flawed by our sin and we need his redemption, but God doesn't create junk. He makes no mistakes. He's made us in his image and he wants to make us his children again. That's what, that's what Peter says about our identity. He first says, you are God's child. And let me show you this. We already saw how we are born again into this, this new life. Uh, well, he goes on in verses 15 and 16 of chapter one. And let me back up to verse 14. He says, as obedient children, there you go. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, 
you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. When we're talking about the holiness of God, one way to put it is that we're seeking after a life aligned with the heart of God. A life aligned with the heart of God, lined up with his heart. And for so long in the, in, in, in my the initial stages of my journey as a Christian, I really equated holiness with just acting the way that God would want me to act. Like, like you know, whatever Jesus would do, then I'm just going to do that. And as long as my actions line up, then I've kind of hit the mark and everything's good. And holiness is not less than that, but it is much more than that. You see, God wants us to reflect him comprehensively. That means it's not just about our actions, but it's about our thoughts. It's about our desires. It's about our feelings. It's about what we love. Do we love what, we, what he loves? Do we want what he wants? Do we feel what he feels? Do we think how he thinks? This is what it means to be made in the image of God. We've talked about multiplication this year at Redemption Hill Church. Our, our 2020 vision is to see God's work of multiplication in us and through us. And, and the first command that God gives to human beings is found in Genesis 1, verse 28. And he says, guess what? Be fruitful and multiply. And if you ask the average person on the street, like, hey, what did, what did God mean by that? They're probably going to say, he meant that you should go and have a bunch of babies. And yeah, it includes that, but it's so much more than that. What he meant is to fill the earth with people who know me and are known by me, who love me and are loved by me, who reflect my glory and greatness in everything that they do. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me. He wants our lives to be aligned with his heart. He wants us to resemble him. Children, I love, and let me give a shout out to my wife, that my beautiful daughters reflect my beautiful wife. Not just on the outside, but also on the inside. We're going to talk about that next week on Mother's Day, all right? But, 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 but children bear the resemblance of their parents. And that's what God wants for you and I. Our identity is now the children of God. And because we're children of God, we've been brought into God's family. We've been brought into God's family and God's house. This is what Peter says in, in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He says, as you come to him, a living stone, again, talking about Jesus, rejected by man, men, yes, Jesus was rejected, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want you to see this rhythm here. He says in verse 4, as you come to him, then he says in verse 5, you yourselves are being built up. And so Peter is, is talking about us coming to God, not just for the first time, but continually coming to God, to Christ. And as we come, which means we're believing in him, we're trusting in him, we're, we're doing that day by day. 
he says that God will build us up. He'll build us up together. And we should think about this in two different senses. Um, Number one, as more and more people believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as their Lord and Savior, perhaps that's something that you feel God saying that you need to do that today that you need to step into the life of Christ and experience this amazing salvation that I've shared with you today through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just by saying, God, I know I haven't lived my life for you. I've blown it. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against other people. I haven't even kept my own standards. That's how bad we all are. But yet God loves us. And his great mercy offers us salvation that if we would not just admit our sin, but believe in the work of Jesus Christ, we can experience God's salvation. And so if that's you today, come to him and be part of this new family, this new house that God is building. And so that's the first sense that we see that that as more people believe in Jesus Christ, that more and more stones are being built onto God's house. And that's what we love to see in Redemption Hill and all the churches across Boston that we pray for. We want to see more and more of our family and friends come into the life of Christ, be a part of this spiritual house. But not only that, as God is building us up as this spiritual house, which is a reference in the Bible to the temple, the very presence of God, that God now dwells in us as his people, that now we reflect him to the world around us. And I have to tell you, on behalf of all of our pastors and our staff team who who see what's happening in the life of our church, listen, we said at the beginning of this crisis that a virus cannot stop the church. And why is that? Because what what Peter is saying here is that the church is not a place you go to. The church is the people, the Jesus people that you run with. And so I can't tell you how proud I am of you, Redemption Hill, for how you have stepped up and you've lived as a living spiritual house, caring for one another, caring for our city. You embody what Peter says in chapter one. He talks about uh, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. He says, love one another earnestly. That means with everything you are from a pure heart. We've seen this in so many ways. Let me just celebrate a few with you. I've seen how you've stayed connected over these past seven weeks. Would you believe that our groups, our community groups that are meeting online, they are stronger than ever. Not just in number, though numerically, we are seeing more people connected than we ever have as a church. It's amazing. But not just numbers. It's not all about numbers. We don't want a bunch of numbers if there's nothing good happening in those groups. But there is such great involvement, people sharing their lives supporting one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another. Redemption Hill, you're staying connected and it shows. And it's gonna show for months and years to come. But then number two, not only that, you're serving others faithfully. I love how we have teams going every Thursday afternoon to the Mefford Community Market to prepare meals and groceries for those that are swinging by to pick them up in their time of need. I love how we have so many people that are making phone calls, that are going to the grocery and not just buying for themselves, but taking it to others 
who maybe can't or should not get out. And not only that, I'm so thankful for how generous you've been in this season. Not just giving a financial gifts like we make a regular practice of worship, but you're going above and beyond. Even in a season what, for what so many is a time of financial uncertainty. You know, in the month of March, we had our Multiply March campaign where we took 100% of those gifts to send out to our mission partners to help meet needs across North America and the globe. And we exceeded our goal of $3,750 by seeing God bring in $4,200. Thank you, Redemption Hill. That's amazing. But not only that, two weeks ago, we unrolled our benevolence fund to meet real, practical, tangible, material needs in the life of our church. And I'm so humbled and so proud to tell you that just in the first two weeks, we've seen God provide $12,600 to meet real needs in the life of our church family. And so we're going to keep it up. We're going to keep giving to meet the needs in Redemption Hill, to meet needs outside of Redemption Hill in the city of Medford in greater Boston. This is who the Jesus, the, the church of Jesus Christ is. And, and, and when, we, when we live for God, when we shine for him in this way, we live out what verses 9 and 12 say in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to end with this. He, he says this. But you, your identity, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, listen, out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And then he says in verse 12, keep your conduct. Among the Gentiles, it's a, a term referring to people who don't know God, believe in God, or love God. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What Peter is saying is this. When you live out the life of Christ, by seeing what he's done for you and living out your new identity, you're going to shine and show the marvelous light that God has brought you into by his grace in such a way that the people around you are going to have to not only take notice, but many, many, many of them, we pray, will say, I want in on what they've got. Redemption Hill, let's live that way. This week and in this season, and moving forward so that more and more and more of the people we love and care about will also say yes to Jesus and follow him. Let me pray for us now. God, we thank you that you have called us to yourself. You've given us new life through Jesus Christ. And you give us words of encouragement that tell us to keep moving, to keep running, to not look back. And so, God, I thank you for being an amazing God, a God who brings us together. And God, we're not an awesome church because there's anything good about us in and of ourselves, but God, we are a great church because 
You are a great God. And so God, would you continue your good work among us as we follow you? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you are new to the story of Jesus, or maybe you've been holding back from fully committing your life to follow Jesus Christ, and you're saying, Tanner, I want in on this salvation that you've described. I see what God has done for me through Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're ready to take that step, there's gonna be a number on the screen. You can just text Jesus to the number on the screen and let us know so that we can follow up with you and encourage you in this new journey that you desire to start today. Our hosts are gonna share the information, the chat box on our online platforms. And so if you need to take that step, if you're saying God is speaking to me and I'm ready to follow Jesus, let me say to you, don't wait, do it today. The greatest decision of your life, make it now and you'll never regret.